0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. It's a regular hoedown at New Life, right? Yeah, how great to have a banjo. Good morning, everybody. Good morning to the rest of you. Okay, yeah, now we're all here and present and accounted for. Welcome to church this morning. Um, This is, uh, as you all know, Thanksgiving weekend. And that means that um, family, food, and football, correct? Not necessarily in that order. (laughs) Right? And I'm going to give you two more F words we can put in there. Freedom and forgiveness. Are you ready for that? Yeah. Let's talk about those for a minute because that's really... We're going to teach you a skill this morning that you can use and I can use. We all need to use, but none of us really likes to because of the context. But boy, if we will use it, it will keep the relationships in our lives free and open and healthy. So I hope you came prepared to learn this morning. I know that some of you, since this is Thanksgiving weekend, I know that some of you have been drugged here against your will. Because someone in your family said, Oh yes, you are going to church with me today. So this is the penalty you pay for being with family on Thanksgiving weekend. Okay? But I don't apologize for that. I want to say, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. And I think that you're going to leave. Happy that you came. Even if you don't normally go to church. So... Are you ready? Good. I haven't broken out a top ten list in a while, so I thought I would do that this morning. So I'm going to give you my top ten list of periprosdakians. How many of you have ever had a periprosdakian? What is it, right? You don't even know what it is. Believe it or not, how many of you have seen my big fat Greek wedding? It comes from the Greek word. It actually comes from two of them the first is para which can mean beyond and prosdokia which means expectation so a para prosdakian is a statement that ends with something you don't expect like this my number ten favorite one is a bus station is where the bus stops a train station is where the is where the train stops and on my desk i have a workstation <laughs> so you know what that means My boss gave it to me. That's even better, don't you think? Number nine. The early bird gets the worm, but never forget, it's the second mouse who gets the cheese. (laughs) Number eight. Hopefully this is not true of any of us. Light travels faster than sound. That's why some people appear bright until they open their mouths. <laughs> number seven I quoted this already twice this week in a good context All right? don't argue with an idiot he'll drag you down to his level and then beat you with the experience <laughs> number six some cause happiness wherever they go others whenever they go Yeah, you won't forget that one, right? (laughs) Number five. Evening news is where they begin with good evening and then proceed to tell you all the reasons it isn't. (laughs) One of my favorites. Women will never be equal with men. Ready for the next? Oh, you want the rest of it? All right, here we go. (laughs) Until they can walk down the street with a bald head and a pot belly, and still think they're sexy. (laughs) Number three, the last thing I want to do is hurt you, but it's still on my list. (laughs) Number two, if I agreed with you, well, then we'd both be wrong. And number one, I asked God for a bike, but I know He doesn't work that way, so I stole one and then asked for forgiveness. (laughs) The reason I give you those is because some of them have to do with forgiveness, and some of them have to do with an unhealthy understanding of forgiveness. And so this morning we're going to dive into the Bible teaching, and this is, you know when you turn on your TV and they say the evening news starts now, okay? Well, the Bible teaching starts now. So I'm going to give you a fair warning. I have about 25 minutes to teach you 21 principles, okay? Okay? So that means I'm going to have to speak in a hurry, and you're going to have to write in a hurry. So let's get started with that. And and so I want to encourage you, take your program. And on the inside of your program, I want you to take out a couple of things, okay? One is this. It says, start here, and I know Kevin already had you get that out. The next is this. It's a sheet of fill-in-the-blank notes. This will help you learn and remember what we've talked about But I want to start actually with this card because on the back side, the side that has color on it, you will see under next steps, I would like to take the next steps as a result of today's teaching. What's the very first one there? I will listen to the podcast this at least once this week. Okay? I want to encourage every single person in the audience if you would be so inclined as to check that and follow through with that. Because when I'm teaching you 21 principles in 25 minutes, I don't have time to give lengthy explanations for each one. There's a ton of content that I'm going to give you this morning, and it's all extremely important for you to know and understand if you're going to experience forgiveness and freedom in the context we're talking about this morning. So let's start with the first principle. And that's the concept that there are levels of freedom from sin. Jesus made this statement. If the Son sets you free, you will be absolutely or completely free. I want you to read that out loud with me, would you? Let's read it together. Ready? If the sun sets you free, you will be absolutely or completely free. Now, that's what Jesus said, and that's the promise that he makes to us, and there are a number of inferences that come out of that. Let's learn three principles that come out of that. The first principle is this, the concept of guilt or shame. Jesus said that when it comes to sin, I want you to think, what's the opposite of freedom in our culture? Would it not be prison? Okay? Now prison gives a great illustration for what Jesus is talking to us about here. If a person is in prison and they're in solitary confinement and they are released from solitary confinement to the general prison, would you say that they have been granted their freedom? Oh no, they're freer than they used to be, but they're not free yet. If they have been released to general confinement and then they are released to a work-release program where they can go to work, but as soon as work is done, they have to go back and they have to sleep in the prison and the rest of their life is in the prison. Would you say that they have been granted their freedom? No. They're freer than they were, but they're not really free. Can I share with you that all too often in life, we settle for the transfer from solitary confinement to general confinement, and we think we're free? Now, what did Jesus say? If the sun sets you free, you will be how free? Absolutely or completely free. Not in general confinement, not in work release, but absolutely free. So I want to talk to you about that. There are three ways in which we need to experience freedom from sin. And the first is, sin brings with it the baggage of guilt and shame. You saw it in the drama this morning, correct? My name is Guilt. My name is shame. And we've all been in that situation, and some of us probably came to church in that situation this morning. And, and Jesus wants us to know that He brings with Him the remedy for the guilt and the shame of sin. Let me read you this passage of Scripture. When David was praying about his sin, King David in the Bible, he said, Wash away all of my guilt, and make me clean again. I know about my wrongs, and I cannot forget my sin. Can you relate to that? I can. You see, sin, this is what I call the weight of sin. It's what just weighs on us, and makes us feel heavy, and sad, and, and, and even depressed from time to time. Jesus said, I have a cure for that. I came to deliver you and bring freedom from that weight. The second level, the second dimension of freedom that we need, and that is Jesus came to set us free from the practice of sin. Now, there's not a blank for you to write this down, but I want you to understand, and you can write it in the margin if you want to every sin has a repetitiveness about its nature. Have you ever noticed that you never, ever commit a sin? just once once you tell a lie is it easier to lie the next time yeah in fact you have to lie to cover the first one correct and then you have to tell another lie to cover those two which is why my dad used to tell me son just tell the truth and you never have to remember what you said Yeah, because all sins have a repetitive nature to them I call this the bondage of sin the first is the weight of sin And this is the bondage. You commit a sin and it it wraps you up a little bit and then you commit it again and again and again and eventually it becomes a way of life and you can't imagine yourself cut free from it. But the Bible says this. You can be a slave to sin which leads to death or you can choose to obey God which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are, what's the next word? Free from the slavery or the practice of sin. That's that's a great promise. So, Jesus came to deliver us from the guilt and shame of sin and from the practice of sin. But there's a third level of freedom from sin that we need to get as well. And that has to do with the concept of the penalty of sin. Sin not only brings a weight to it, and it not only brings a repetitive or bondage nature to it, but sin also brings with it a penalty that's not a temporary penalty It's an eternal penalty because the Bible very clearly says that nothing unclean or sinful is ever allowed to enter into God's eternal presence. Now, I don't know about you, but when I die and I leave this earth, I want to go be with God. I want to go to heaven. I want to live with Him. I want to live in the beautiful and perfect environment of an eternal paradise where Jesus is the King. And everything happens the way it's supposed to. And the evening news starts with good evening and then tells you all the reasons it is. Because it's paradise. Right? That's, what, that's God's promise to us. But you know, if I'm a sinner and I have sin in my life and my sin has not been pardoned or forgiven by God, I have no hope to go there. Because the penalty for sin, take a look, God with undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous. And how did that happen? He did this through Christ Jesus when He, what's the next word? Freed us from the, what's the next word? Penalty for our sins. I have great news. Every single person in the room this morning can be delivered from the guilt and shame of sin, completely delivered, not partially, completely delivered from the guilt and shame of sin. Every single person in the room can be delivered from the practice and the bondage that all sin eventually brings. And every person in the room can be completely forgiven of the eternal penalty of sin. Does that sound good? That sounds great. If you went to the doctor and said, there are three things wrong with you, and I've got a medicine that will cure all three, would you be up for that? yeah of course you would. That's the deal. That's what God says. now, there's some other things that we need that we need to know. So we started out talking about guilt and then we talked about the practice, and then we talked about the penalty. Now I want to talk to you for a minute about the dimensions of forgiveness. okay, Let's put God up here. Let's put me down here'. I certainly belong below God, correct? All right. And so the Bible says that there's, there are some dimensions to forgiveness, and I want to give you a passage of Scripture that talks about them. And here it is. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. So there are three lessons that we can learn from that. And the first has to do with with the, with the vertical dimension of forgiveness. I need to receive forgiveness from God. It's very clear in that passage that I need to. And in fact, I will never experience real freedom in my heart, in my soul, and in my spirit until I know that I have been forgiven by God, completely forgiven, and as we read earlier, declared righteous because of what Jesus did that is the fundamental message of the Bible that you and I can be completely forgiven and I'll never know what real freedom is until that happens but there's also a couple of other things here okay I have brothers and sisters in this life correct and believe it or not every once in a while I actually offend them I know it's hard to imagine right Yeah, sure. Those of you who know me well think, that's not so hard, all right? We all do. Now here's the deal. Forgiveness has to go both ways. Okay? This is the horizontal dimension of forgiveness. And you see it mentioned in that passage where Jesus says, "If if we refuse to forgive one another, what's the penalty for that? God won't forgive us. And that leads us to principle number three. And principle number three is this. I can't have one without the other. It's just that simple. And there's a reason for that. And I want you to, th- I want you to think, if you could think of these as pipelines. Okay? Um, pipelines that are made to carry pure water that's refreshing and tastes good. Okay? When I receive forgiveness from God, it keeps the pipeline clear... And I receive the beautiful and wonderful forgiveness from God that cuts away the guilt of my sin so I feel light and not weighed down anymore. It cuts away the practice of sin so I'm not bound by sin anymore. And it, re- and it releases me from the eternal penalty of sin so I can live without fear of death because I know I've been forgiven and I will go to be with Jesus. That's a great place to live. It's, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, it's pure, it's free, and it's refreshing to the human spirit. Now when I've received that water of forgiveness, God gives me the opportunity to pass the water of forgiveness on back and forth with my brothers and sisters. And this week, we're going to talk about the dimension of forgiveness, which has to do with asking my brother or my sister or God for forgiveness. And then next week, we're going to deal with how do I extend forgiveness to my brother or my sister. And that's a whole other skill that we all need to have and we probably struggle with. But believe it or not, I think we struggle as much with how to ask forgiveness as we do with how to give it. Maybe one of the reasons that we struggle with giving forgiveness is because we don't know how to ask for it and receive it. So this morning we're going to talk about that dimension. Now the key, the absolute key to this is, is found in one word. Let me read you the passage. David, when he was talking about the sin that he had committed where he had slept with another man's wife and then he had murdered the husband to cover up for it because then he wanted to marry his wife when she became pregnant because he slept with her. Uh, that's pretty bad, don't you think? That would even be bad in modern day America, correct? Yeah, All right. When he was talking about that with God, he said, God, you don't desire a sacrifice. I offer one. You know, God, if you wanted a thousand bucks, I'd bring a thousand bucks. David was the king; he had quite a bit of money. God, if you wanted a million bucks, I'd bring a million bucks. Whatever, the, whatever the my favorite chariot, I go and burn it for up for you. If that's what you wanted, but you don't want a sacrifice, or I'd offer one. You don't want a burnt offering, or I'd offer one of those also. But he says the sacrifice you desire is what a broken spirit. I want you to circle that. Broken spirit. And then he goes on to say, you will not reject a broken, and what's the next word? Repentant heart. I want you to circle repentant heart. Because the key to asking for forgiveness is repentance. Repentance. Absolutely, that is the key. It is the key to seeking and receiving forgiveness. And you notice it comes with a broken spirit. It comes with sadness. It comes with a sorrow. It comes with a genuine sorrow. Now, I want to tell you this about repentance. I'll give you another word for it. It's the key, but it always starts with a moment of confrontation and decision. Some of us, maybe many of us, maybe all of us this morning are going to get that sitting right here this morning. As we talk about the concept of keeping those lines, those those pipelines open and free and forgiveness being freely extended and freely received so the fresh water of of wonderful and healthy relationships can flow back and forth between us, as we talk about that, God's going to bring to mind somebody in your life that you have offended but you've never gone and asked for forgiveness for. And you need to because God will bring them to your mind this morning because he wants you to live pure and free in that way. It starts with this moment of confrontation and decision. I need to take care of that. But I want you to see also that that moment of confrontation and decision has to be followed up or coupled with a path. On an an entirely different field, some of us are going to get a moment of confrontation and decision on January the 2nd, standing in front of the mirror. And we're going to go, my goodness, I've grown, and not vertically. And we're going to go, there needs to be way less of me. That's our moment of confrontation and decision. And we decide, I am going to lose weight. But friends, if the I'm going to lose weight is not connected with a path, what are the chances of it succeeding? Zero, correct? And that's the same thing with repentance. When we know that we have offended someone or we need to make a change in our life, it's not enough to sit in church and say, by golly, I'm going to change that. We have to have a pathway of personal change. And so that's the the principle number three. Repentance always requires my decision to be connected with a path of personal change. So now, this morning, I'm going to give you ten steps that all of us need to go through in order to properly ask for forgiveness How many of you would have guessed that there would be 10 right up front? Nobody. I wouldn't have guessed that either. You know our problem? The reason that we don't ask well and receive well is because we usually think, I can do this in one or two. Okay? I want to show you why it takes all 10 to do this well. But I want to say something ahead of time. Okay? And and that is, when you're walking down the hallway and you accidentally step on someone's toes, you don't have to go through all 10. Okay? But when you've hurt somebody, and I mean really hurt somebody, don't ever skip any of the steps I'm going to talk to you about. They're all biblical, and I don't have time this morning to read you all the scriptural background for it. But I think you'll recognize everyone is healthy and everyone is biblical, okay? So you ready to write? We've got 10 of them to go. Here we go. The first one is this, okay? We need to ask God for forgiveness first. Until you have received forgiveness from God. Remember the diagram? Until you've received forgiveness from God, it's pretty hard to ask for it from other people because your conscience is not clear yet. And when you go ask someone for forgiveness and your conscience isn't clear yet, you're not going to make the ask very well. So you know what? That's right where we're going to start this morning. We're going to start by asking God for forgiveness. And we're going to do it through communion because that's what communion was designed for. If you haven't been in church where communion is served, let me explain to you how that works here at New Life. We're going to be passing through the audience trays. And on the trays you will find cups of juice, portions of bread. Jesus himself said that the portions of bread represent his body and the cups of juice represent his blood. And his body was broken broken when he was crucified on the cross, to pay the penalty for your sin and mine so that we don't have to pay the penalty and we can be forgiven. And the way we get forgiveness is through Christ and we come and ask for it through him. So we pass, trays through the audience, if you'd like to honor Christ with us and you'd like to request forgiveness from God, then take a portion of the bread Take one of the cups of juice, pass the tray to your neighbor, and then bow your head. And I want to read a passage of Scripture to you that talks about what we're getting ready to do. Here it is. You should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. And this morning, what God wants us to examine is, is there anyone in my life that I have offended or hurt, and I haven't repaired it. I just left it. I ran away from it. I ran away from that relationship. I got mad and said some things, and I just ditched and ran. Or I've got this ugly thing in my life. Maybe Thanksgiving wasn't so fun a couple of days ago because there's this unresolved thing in your family, and you've never taken care of it. Well, before we go on, we're going to stop right now and do that. If you're not at a place where you're comfortable taking communion, pass the tray to your neighbor. No one will look down on you. This is is not about conformity. It's about getting right with God. So would you join with me as we pray? Lord Jesus, thank you for giving your life so that we could be released from the guilt and shame of our sin, so that we could be delivered from the bondage of sin And so that we could be released from the eternal penalty for our sin. And Lord, even now, before we go to each other and ask for forgiveness, we want to start by asking for forgiveness from you. So now as we examine ourselves, Lord, would you point out relationships in our lives that need to be rectified? Would you give us grace this morning to make the decision that to the best of our ability, we will rectify them. I pray in your own name. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing forgiveness. We just bless you. Amen. Let's go to step number two. Step number two has to do with the word prepare. Prepare ahead of time. Would you say the relationships in your life are important, yes or no? Yes. So if something is important to you, would, would it be worth your while to prepare ahead of time to repair it or preserve it? Yeah. I have a house that's pretty important to me. When something goes wrong with it, I just don't say to my wife, hey, give me that hammer, I'll fix this. You know, I, I'm going to take some time and figure out how am I going to do this. Prepare ahead of time. You know what that means? Write these words down somewhere in the margin. right time, right place, right words. Don't just shoot off the cuff. Think about it ahead of time. Now, I'm going to help you figure out the right words, okay, as we walk through number three. Number three is clearly and succinctly state what you did. Let me give you some words to avoid. If. And the word, anything. If I have done anything, I'm here to apologize. How many of you feel better when someone says that to you? It doesn't say anything. They're not accepting any responsibility. They haven't stated clearly what they've done. They've just given you the big if word. Okay? You know, you get the feeling that they want to be able to go away and say, I apologized, even though they didn't. Because they haven't really apologized for anything. Is it natural and normal for us to say, if? Shake your head like this. Of course it is. Yeah. Because one of the key elements of repentance is humility. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. Okay? So clearly and succinctly state what you did exactly. Be specific. Then, number four. Take full responsibility for your actions. Let me give you a word to avoid here. But. I know I said but. Because whatever you say after that just sort of nullifies whatever you said before that. Correct? Takes all the punch, takes all the benefit, all the goodness out of it because now you're about ready to excuse your behavior that you're going to ask for forgiveness for, even though you would rather be excused than forgiven. Do you understand the difference between those two? Excused means it's really not my fault. Forgiven means it is my fault, but I accept your forgiveness. Which one requires more humility? Which one? Forgiven. Way more. State specifically what we've done then I need to take full responsibility for it and not try to explain it or anything else. Stay away from but. Stay away from even though. Okay? And accept responsibility for it. I should never have done that. That's good. Number five. It's important for Is it number five? Yes. Number five, express compassion for them. What I did put you in an awkward situation. I'm sorry I did that to you. You deserve better than that. I'm sorry that what I said brought up old painful issues in your life. I should never have done that. I realize that now you have to work through some of that pain and stuff. That, was, that has been dormant for a while. I'm sorry about that. I, I, I wish I hadn't done that. You deserve better. Express compassion for what you have done that put them in that awkward or painful or hurtful or sometimes even shameful situation. Number six. Do these all make sense so far? Yeah. Number six. Here it is. Tell them the plan for restitution. Here's how I want to make it right. That's really important. What do you do if you don't know how to make it right? Real simple. You look at them and say, how can I make this right? By the way, does that require any humility? hmm How can I make this right? Or, if it's not something you can make right, you can say this. I wish there was a way I could make it up to you, but I do want you to know this. That this is, this is a change I've decided to make in my life. And I want you to know about it, because what I did to you brought it to the surface of my life. And so here is my plan for change for my own behavior. By the way, there's a couple good things about that. Number one, that requires humility, correct? Correct. Lots of it. Number two, when you say it to someone else, are you more likely to follow through with it? Mm Mm-hmm. Because you, you are giving them permission to sort of hold you accountable to that. That's a great thing. That would help all of us. Number seven is ask them for forgiveness. It's one thing to apologize, and it's another thing to look another human being in the eyes and say, will you forgive me? I'm asking you to. That puts them up here, and that puts you down here, correct? Yeah, that's not bad. That's good. Is that uncomfortable? Yes. But it's right. It's healthy and it's good. So what do you do after you ask them to forgive you? Number eight is wait for them to answer. Don't just keep talking. Once you say, Will you forgive me? You're all done with your speech. Okay? Now it's time for you to listen. But it's also important for you to recognize you've had time to prepare for this conversation, correct? Remember up in step two, you took time to prepare, you, you took time to choose the right time, the right place, and the right words, and now you've come to them and they have no idea that this is coming, and now you're asking them to respond. You know what that means? You might not immediately get the answer that you want. They may say, I'd like to, but I'm not ready to yet. They may say, I don't know if I can. They may say, I need to take time to process this. It's okay. Then graciously, this is is number nine, respond graciously. Say, I understand that. I'm willing to give you that. Your relationship means enough to me that I'm willing to give you whatever time you need. I just want you to know my heart. And my heart is a heart that is sorry I did that to you. And if there's any way you will forgive me, I want you to know I stand ready to receive it. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to ask for it. And then you know what number 10 is? Number 10 is you better follow through with your plan for restitution, correct? Because if you don't follow through with your plan for restitution, I can tell you two things that will happen. Number 1, you will not receive the forgiveness because they'll figure out you're a phony. And number 2, you'll get to go through this again because you'll do it to somebody else. Because you won't change. It's just that simple. Now everything I've said to you, it's all biblical and it's all very practical. I didn't want you to forget it, so on the inside of your program, I gave you a bookmark. It looks like this. Can you find it? Okay. If you have a Bible, I want you to take it home and put it in your Bible. That way you'll always know where it is. Okay. And if God's bringing to your mind people that you need to forgive, you need to go and and ask for forgiveness from, people that you have offended, I want you to take the time this week to walk through those ten steps. And I think you will be amazed at how free and open your relationship will be. I was sitting in my office this morning and one of the volunteers was walking down the hallway and knowing the subject of the morning, she said to me, that's an interesting outfit you're wearing. I said, how's that? She said, it's either black or white. <laughs> and you know something? That's pretty good stuff. Our relationships in life are either black or white. either open and free, where forgiveness is freely given and received and asked and asked for in a healthy manner and received in a healthy manner. Or it's just all clogged up and nasty and dysfunctional and not healthy. As we close, I want to go back to this piece of paper. And I want you to go back to this card. Because on the back side of it, it says there's those next steps. Okay. I'm serious. When I say it would be good for every single one of us to go back and listen to the sermon again and take some time to digest what we've learned this morning Secondly, I will follow the steps with at least one person in my life. If God brought the name of any person to mind, as as we were talking this morning, I want you to make a commitment to follow through with this. You didn't just come to church to learn a few spiritual ideas and go out and live the way you were. You came to learn a skill. And then last of all, I think it's so important that you recognize... That before you can be released from the guilt of your sin, and before you can be released from the practice of your sin, you must receive from God forgiveness for the penalty of your sin. You can't get these two until you get this one. And Jesus died so you could get all three. And that's why the last thing there says, I choose to become a first-time follower of Jesus. Would you join with me in prayer? Lord, It's been an amazing morning of a lot of principles that are so healthy and so good. And and thank you for taking the time to leave heaven and come to earth and to teach us how we could be truly free and live with these wonderfully open and healthy relationships. Lord, now, as we take the time and the space to respond to you, Would you give us grace to know what to commit ourselves to? And then would you give us grace to follow through completely as we should? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.